It is In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by thehockeyshop.com, the hockey shop source for sports. Surrey, we are excited about this episode because we are talking about the new Eflex 5 line, and we have a couple of different segments regarding this uh, great new addition to the CCM or continuation of the CCM goalie line. We'll also chat with Brian Decord, who has done pretty much everything in the wide world of goaltending, from uh, being a goalie coach to being uh, an NHL goalie scout. So a lot to get to today as we bring in Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, and great news about uh, the hockey shop, uh, the hockey shop uh, source for sports, Surrey, back up and running. Everything's back to normal. I was going to say great news for you, the consumer, uh, for our listeners who are always eager to call Cam or email or check out the website at thehockeyshop.com for the latest and greatest in the newest launches and the newest materials. Also good deals on old inventory. Maybe not so good for Cam because now I'm back and he has to put up with me in person. We're back at the shop with a review of the CCM E-Flex 5 chest protector today. Um... I was definitely a giant pain in his ass as I was uh, trying on a lot of the new stuff that had arrived in the store. Um, But hey, listen, we don't mind making Cam suffer a little bit if it's for the benefit of our listeners. And the good news is, is they've they've improved the safety protocols. Everything was precautionary. Uh, They're back up and running. If you're blessed enough to live here in the lower mainland, go visit them in person at the hockey shop out in Surrey or check them out online, thehockeyshop.com. Um, for all your needs, whether it's skates, skate sharpening, old gear that's on sale, new gear that's just coming out that we'll talk about today, you name it, they've got it, all the accessories. Give Cam a call and annoy him as much as I do. Uh, old gear, uh, new lines. We have uh, the top of the line gear to uh, to the various uh, levels of below. It is uh, an unbelievable place just to go and uh, hang out and just get your fix or if you're uh, leaning on some experts, uh, that's the place to go. Uh, the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, talking about uh, making a transition from uh, the middle of the season or uh, what they were, COVID pause for both the Vancouver Canucks and uh, Source for Sports Surrey and the Hockey Shop, uh, Brayton Holpe is uh, back on top of his game. Uh, like The two of you guys uh, get the chance, because that's your local market. Uh, boy, w- what a story coming out of there. Uh, break for the three and a half weeks, Woody. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, there's a lot of different ways to go with this. Obviously, the three weeks and the, the way guys were hit by COVID. We heard from Thatcher Demko after his first start last night. Um, he described the symptoms. Some guys have been a little hesitant to share, um, but he described the symptoms quite clearly. I mean, uh, he, he was hit pretty hard, right down to including brain fog. Um, some of the things we've heard about. And, it, you know, so that's been a process for them to come back and for them to come back and beat the Maple Leafs. You know, best team in the North Division two in a row was, you know, a remarkable story, a remarkable story of perseverance. And the backbone of it was unquestionably Braden Holtby, 74 saves on 79 shots, just brilliant in the first game. The Leafs had six expected goals. He only let in two. You, you guys, you guys, we've all seen it, right? The poke check to Hashik barrel roll save like that. That's going to be one of the saves of the year, right? And like it's it's posterized already. The picture of it from the overhead, which is uh, a camera uh, photographer that's worked with us in the past. I uh, got it for Icon Getty, Derek Kane, that perfect overhead shot of Braden full barrel roll, watching the puck go off his pad. So there's an in-goal connection to that as well. Um, and, you know, bigger picture, pulling it back. This is Braden Holtby. And he talked, talked with us about this uh, after the game on Tuesday. This is a goaltender who was asked when he came in here in Vancouver to make significant changes to his game. 
and struggled at times to find the balance between the new technical aspects and the old instinctual elements that made him great and to sort of put those two together. And I thought that game against the Leafs was a great example of those worlds coming together finally. I mean, the poke checks were there, there were multiple, and yet there was more control in his game, precision in movement, high stance when perimeters were at, at when play was out on the perimeter, which he he used to, he was he would use it. They had the high stance where narrow feet, up tall, looking over traffic. Um, but as games went on, or if a play stayed in the zone, he'd get into his low stance and he wouldn't go back when the play was on the perimeter. Much better at that. And of course, that's going to make you less fatigued when you're coming off a three-week break in COVID because you're not working as hard locked into that low stance. So I think there's a lesson here. Goalies that made changes this season, he talked about it really hard. No preseason games to sort of feel it out. Shortened training camps. And then as soon as the season started, everything was 100 miles an hour. Every point counted. Like races got tight. You couldn't fall behind. The pressure was huge. A really tough year to be a goalie making changes. And Braden was open and honest about that. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now in Matt Murray too. Hotch, uh, just in, in watching Braden Holpe, just it looked like he was playing and, and wasn't thinking. And maybe that was a byproduct of being swamped by the Toronto Maple Leafs so with opportunities. But uh, a little bit of, of, of what Woody said, finally being able to lean on and absorb some of that uh, uh, tweaking in his game. I think you read my mind. I was thinking the very same thing as what he was talking there uh, about this being a, you know, a particular opportunity. You've, you've now had that time in the season for him to absorb all the work he's been doing with Ian Clark and the changes he's tried to make. And yet with uh, sort of a quick return to the ice and not a lot of time to do any work before those games with the Leafs, um, sort of a requirement to play on instinct to a, to a degree and certainly not to think too much out there. And, and I know that concept of thinking too much on the ice while trying to make changes is uh, one that Woody's spoken of before and, um, with Matt Murray. Well, I mean, if you think you're dead, right? Top Gun, baby. If you think out there, you're dead. And early in the season, Matt Murray came through here in Vancouver. And after the postgame, I could see the changes he was making in his game. They were clear as day. Narr- Again, some of them are similar to Holpe, but a little more biomechanic involved. But, it, but, but it, the foundation being sort of a narr- much narrower stance. Matt used to play really low and wide in Pittsburgh. And the, the premise being he needed to become more mobile. He needed to, and you can't move from a locked-in low and wide stance. And so a lot of changes that he made dating back to his time with Adam Francilia and then the goalie coach there at the time, Pierre Grew, you know, reaching out to Adam and making sure when they got on, on the ice, they were on the same page in terms of these new sequencing and movement mechanics to get Matt more mobile uh, in his crease. And he admitted when he came through here in Vancouver and they shelled him and it wasn't going well, that he was thinking out there. Like he said after the game, like, these are still things I have to think about while I'm doing. There was no, in- it wasn't instinctual yet. Imagine having to think in the middle of an NHL game about how you're moving. At a time when if you can't move out there, you're dead. And so, of course, his game struggled a little bit. Now we see him. He comes back into town after a month off, and he looks like a completely different goaltender. He's 3-1 and one in his last four starts since coming back from the injury. He's got two shutouts. Just shut out the Canucks the other night. And a lot of people in Ottawa are asking, like, what's it like? And they, and they fired Pierre Grew uh, and have brought in uh, Zach Burke. And a lot of people are asking, what's changed? What's changed? He's a new goalie coach. I think a lot of this is for the month he was off, Three weeks of that month, every day, because the injury was an arm related, they were out there skating. And again, 
really hard to make changes with all that's gone on this season. In Matt's case, he had a new baby right before the season to the to a mix of factors that already make it hard. And that time through the injury probably allowed him to finally get in a groove with those movements, changed his pads, went from Vaughn to True. They look like there's a better seal there. That was the goal, um, he, which allows him to sort of stay more stable over him for second save movements at post-save recovery. And everything just looks better. And I think a lot of people are looking for what changed in the last two weeks since the goalie coach changed. Talking to people behind the scenes involved with this, this is a process that started last year. The three weeks he was on with Pierre Grew, the month he was off, the ability to get into a groove with those changes finally after a season where there was none of that time, this is what you're seeing now in Matt Murray. And so two prime examples that, you know, goalies that are making big changes need to be judged at the end of this season, not in the middle of it. No practice time, too. Legitimate none. practice time. Yeah. That, that's no, that's, it, it's just such a team. weird year. Yeah, it's, it's been a totally different year for everyone. But again, like, like I would qualify that, especially for goalies who are trying to make, you know, and in both cases, pretty significant changes to their game. Not easy. Curious about the gear change, but uh, go ahead, uh, Hutch. Well, I was just going to say, and credit to Zach as well, you know, coming on and as, as a new coach, you could imagine some wanting to make their mark by stepping in and making a bunch of changes, but he obviously picked up on what was going on already and, and sort of supported and allowed that to continue, I would assume. The gear change in the middle of a season, how common is that? And what was the thinking behind it? Well, I would love to tell you what Matt Murray thought about it, but I only got one question in the post-game Zoom last night, and that was my second question. Uh, it is pretty unusual to completely change brands, completely change models, especially the fact he went and changed his gloves as well. Um, that's a pretty big step. Now, he did have a month off, but again, um, and this is a change that was initiated by Pierre Grew. Um, you oh, know, you could, yeah, you could see, I mean, you have to have the goalie on board, but, um, you could see in Matt's game, especially when he went to the ice, they're just like, there, there were seal issues. There were rotation issues. There was, and that just put him that much more out of control. And he just looks, you know, even the head coach, DJ Smith last night, just, he just looks so much more in control. I think there was a stiffness and rigidity to the other pads that, you know, we used to talk about that with, with Corey Crawford. Right, he had those straight, you know, no break pads, and sometimes it actually made him look more awkward than he was. It made him look stiffer and more robotic, and people sort of labeled him that type of goalie. And I think sometimes it was just the nature of the pads. It played like a, like he was he played lights out in them. But in Matt's case, like I, just, I think they just felt the seal wasn't there, and that was leading him into sort of more reactive desperation situations earlier in post save recovery, rather than just sort of staying over top of his knees trusting sort of that everything was sealed and just being able to sort of make second and third movements out of it. How much say does a goalie coach have in the brand that a goalie would wear at, at the professional level? I got to be careful here. This is a slippery slope. It depends on the goalie coach. Let's just say that some oh, push okay. it. Yeah. Some push it much harder than others. Um, you know, I think some, some believe in certain brands and, 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 you know, they'll tell you, they believe it's functional, right? Like they, they, they are involved with, you know, we're going to talk to two members of the CCM goalie team today uh, in, in Matt Drew and uh, Kaylee Dankevy. And there are like some goalie coaches that have relationships right through the whole goalie department at a company like, say, CCM, where they're providing input uh, through pro reps and through other people to the product. And if they believe in that product enough and they see something that their goalie is not doing well in their old product, 
you know, you don't have to go like it's not Ichiro Suzuki who used to keep his baseball bats in a humidor to make sure that the temperature was controlled. But if you're a pro, you better at least understand your gear, how it moves, why it moves, and maybe are there things you can do differently and better? Um, and is your gear doing that for you? And so, you know, we've seen some of these changes. Jack Campbell, guys, is a perfect example. First thing Dusty Emu did when he got to Los Angeles was put him back in a Vaughn pad that was soft and flexible like Jonathan Quicks. Like, we could grab that thing, you and I, like, like those two guys' pads, we, you and I could grab it as weak as old man as we are and, and play it like a freaking accordion. That thing is so flexible. He, when he went to Dallas, he was always a Vaughn guy. He went to Dallas. They asked him to go into a Reebok pad that was very stiff. It wasn't so much about the brand as it was the model. Like it was a stiff sort of loose fitting pad. Think about Jack's yeah. game. It's, there's a lot of flow and movement. A pad that fits with his leg and move with him is what fits him. That's part of who he is. A pad that was loose and floppy and stiff didn't really fit his game. And I honestly believe that was part of him losing his identity uh, with the Stars organization. You were talking about Hutch, though, when you said uh, old man and, and not being very strong, right? Of course I was. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. With, with little hands, as we'll find out yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you take offense to that when, when Woody makes fun of uh, of small hands, Hutch? Not at all. I don't even understand why that would be an issue. <laughs> Yes, yes, but but I'm not. Let's not get into that just yet, okay. because people can hang out and find out where it all came from and what he can have is fun. I won't spoil. Like it. How much smaller are your hands than than regular people? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. They're just always smaller. If I ever compare, okay, I'd I just, say they're. I'd, I'd say they're hobbit like small. Hobbit, hobbit small. I wear. I I order intermediate size palms in my gloves. There you have like it. Like when you go to uh, the winter glove shopping, do you go for for kids gloves? Not quite that not, small. Not quite no, that small. Not quite okay. that small. No. Sometimes, hey, small feet. You can you can kid shop and you can get cheaper shoes. Some I, I I'm jealous of you. That's all. I wish. I wish. But also, goaltenders with smaller feet have smaller skates, which are easier to get around the ice. If you're one of those guys in those big size 14 skis, they're pretty hard to move around the ice. So it makes you a better skater too. I consider it an advantage. Wow. I don't know how big a feat uh, Woody has, but that sounds like uh, he's alluding, uh, Hutch is alluding to uh, Woody having uh, clogs on his feet when he's, when he's going around. I have no idea. I'm just sort of having watched him skate. I'm just, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. Our feature interview this week uh, brought to you by Sensorina VR is with the uh, head of the Arizona Coyotes goaltending department, Brian Decord, who is a, a legend in the business, uh, author, uh, goalie scout uh, he's done everything that uh, you could imagine We're looking forward to that uh, but we also have a two-parter in the gear segment uh, this week with the launch of the uh, latest eflex line the eflex 5 uh, hanging out with cam and just a little bit of a, a heads up a tee up uh, on the eflex 5 line woody before we get into what we have at with cam at the hockey shop well, if you're confused as to why we're talking about a big launch, because we sort of talked about a big launch when the customizer went live about a month ago. Um, and of course, when a customizer goes live, that means you can design your pads, you know, waste entire weekends designing pads and then order them from Cam. So you you could have ordered pro custom uh, or customized gear already. This is the rest of the line. This is, um, you know, this is the the chest protector. This is... This is everything else, including the stock senior retail, retail versions that you'll see on the shelves. This is all now public. You can go into stores now, not just order it on custom. If stores are open in your area, you can go in and check it out. So that's what we mean by the launch. And that's why we're celebrating today with a, a double header. First with Cam at the hockey shop. 
Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv, surrounded by just goalie gear everywhere. It's, yeah, it's nice to be back, Cam. And nice to be talking about new gear again. The brand new CCM E-Flex 5 Pro Chest Protector, which launches today on the same day as the podcast. Uh, we've lost the shield name. We've kept some of the fit, flow, function, and movement. Walk us through some of the changes on this line, what you're expecting, what the early feedback has been um, on a chest protector that I just put on. And I guess the best sign is no problem putting my uh, own microphone on just after wearing it. So a lot of mobility right out of the box. I feel like I'm in an XL right now. I feel like I maybe should be a large, so it might look a little bulky on me, folks. But um, just again, the range of motion and the ability, again, the range of motion where it counts, which is what they're focused on out in front of you and shoulder motion uh, just feels really nice. Yeah, you you kind of hit a lot of the points and, and like you said, yeah. Stole E-flex, your thunder, eh? Uh, a little bit, but Sorry don't worry, I, I still got lots to come from. Um, so yes, the shield name is gone, but it's kept all of those same familiar shield features of that supreme mobility um, and really, really focused on, you know, letting you get in front of your body, getting over top without the chest protector restricting you or bulking up. Now, I didn't choose to put the XL on. That was... Kevin's own choice. He's lost a little bit of weight, so the XL no longer fits. So maybe he does have to go to the large. That was a compliment, not a dig. I'm pretty sure the fact that it actually was him that brought out the XL was meant to be a dig, but uh, I'm happy that it's a little big on me. <laughs> Keep so, going, smart some key, Some key features. Um, D3O. So let's start with that in terms of the protection value for the chest protector. D3O sternum and the D3O actually wraps in right in front of the shoulders and kind of collarbone area too as well. Um, nice call out. Uh, you can visibly see it. Nice and padded all the way through. That A is going to help you to absorb that chest shot and help to bring it in, but it's also going to give you that protection value that you're especially going to need for those hard sternum shots. Shoulder floaters, um, similar to what you see on the current uh, shield that's actually on its way out. Um, still flexible, um, designed to move a little bit more with you. Segmented at that top portion of the shoulder, again, to help kind of wrap around the shoulder. Um, easily adjustable with a Velcro tab on top, so you can kind of pull it up a little bit more, have it kind of puff up a bit, or really wrap it tight to your shoulders, whatever your personal preference is. Same thing with adjustability, uh, moving on to the chest height. In particular, so that's on the back side of the chest. That allows you to, again, pull the body up or move it down, kind of dial it in. Continuing with adjustment styles of the chest as you kind of fidget with that rib protection right now. I was playing with it. I noticed some changes. Removable rib pad. This is something that was featured on the last series of chests. So say you want to puff out the side of the chest a little bit more. Um, that's something you want to leave in. Take it out. You want a little bit of a tighter fit. Somebody who tucks in their chest protector really likes that body wrapped around them. That's something that is removable, not sacrificing a protection. It's just a piece of low density foam that is uh, air vented too, so it's nice and breathable, but won't really affect the protection value of the chest itself. Moving on to the arms. Moving on to the arms. We'll flip all around here. Adjustable arms, something again that we've kind of come accustomed to. Uh, nice feature, helps us dial in the chest, especially adding a little bit of growth room to it as well. So, you know, some uh, major midget players and things like that, or even major bantam, um, they need that pro chest, but it's kind of hard because they're still growing. This gives us that chance to kind of pull it in nice and tight and let it out as we go. So, um, quick uh, chat on the actual uh, shoulder cap itself. Um, this has been extended a little bit over the E-Flex, uh, or sorry, over the Shield 2 chest protector. Um, just gives a little bit more coverage and adds a little bit to the profile of the chest. It's still tapered down and follows the shoulder downward, so it's not exactly like puffing your shoulders out, 
but it does add an extra layer of protection there up at the top too because you get that hard cap uh, instead of just straight your arm so arm itself again something that we have seen um, on the shield too however moving on to the back side of it ccm's added a complete wraparound wrist um, this gives you just a little bit more protection in terms of for that gloves up position but also too that can bring in tightly around that wrist as well so if you really want to have that tight lower fit and have that chest really sit kind of just above your wrist but nice and snug nice adjustability feature bolded elbow caps these are some of the best elbow caps that uh, are around nice and hard really going to protect especially if you're diving over catch that bottom of the ice that's going to give you supreme protection independently adjustable so almost like you see in a player uh, elbow cap as well giving you that nice tight fit but not necessarily pulling the arm so tight that he can't move it either so um, some great features on the chest it's lightweight it's mobile is it the right one for you find out you can give me a call 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 i had my coffee this morning i love the elbows this has been a feature that we've seen but dating back to the shield line the fact that the elbow pads like you said it's almost like having a player's elbow pad inside a goalie arm you know, if you've ever had a chest protector where you find as the game goes on or as it wears in or wears down over the years, um, your elbow's no longer sitting in the elbow cap, that can become a little dangerous. It's also, you know, you're always kind of adjusting it and playing with it when you're out on the ice. This really locks you in. And I'd never thought of that. You can adjust it tight around your elbow without necessarily making that, that arm area smaller. So that's a great feature and a great call out by you, Cam. All right, thank you very much. Uh, great job on this one. We'll continue to make our way through the new eFlex 5 line. We've got some other new lines coming up, a Bauer Hyperlite we talked about, but some other features with new Chesty and new other products to go with that coming up here through the month of May. Make sure you stay tuned for the gear segment here at Ingoal Radio, and make sure you talk to Cam or check them out at thehockeyshop.com if you've got any questions on any of the latest lines coming out for the upcoming 2021-22 season. 2022, 2022, <laughs> whatever. See ya. <laughs>Cam and Woody hanging out, talking about the launch of the Eflex 5 line. Uh, there's no better place to hang out and get an idea of uh, what you're uh, looking at uh, with this uh, latest uh, arrival from CCM Goalie. Uh, except uh, when you connect with the InGoal Magazine people, uh, you get this added resource. And through the relationship with CCM, uh, Woody and Hutch, you have this incredible knowledge base that just takes you on another level. Like, Hutch. This this combination, this partnership with CCM goes back a number of years. Yeah, it goes back um, almost as long as Woody and I have been working together. So 11 years or so when we first got to uh, to know Sonia DiBiase, uh, who was on our first episode of the right. podcast. A fascinating person in the industry to to talk to. And she, uh, I want to say, took us under her wing to it to an extent as we were sort of finding our way in in the industry and and guided us a little bit and and full credit to her for being a significant influence getting getting in goal started and uh, and we've been happy to work with CCM ever since and that's uh, involved a whole pile of different things we've done but certainly a, a big part of that has been testing uh, pretty much every line that's come out in the last eleven years. And uh, that's not just us taking it on the ice for our own personal opinions. Uh, in fact, it's it's not that very much at all. It's mostly trying to get it in the hands of as many goaltenders as we can uh, at various levels from 
from peewee to pro is what he likes to say uh getting opinions about how the gear uh works for an individual's game and it's something i've really admired about uh woody having put in place right from the beginning was that this isn't about putting out a ranking of gear uh it's about describing how the gear works and who it works for much like he was just saying a pro goaltender should understand their gear uh we've worked really hard to make sure that our readers our listeners understand uh how a particular line from from any company not just ccm uh fits your game and can make you a better goaltender and i say that you know the one benefit of getting to work with all the different testers and making sure like we get it right up to you know junior and we've even had guys like national hockey leaguers trying out new gear through us um you know the feedback allows us, we get a lot of questions. We don't really publicize it much, but we do get a lot of questions on DM on Instagram. Matter of fact, we've had some from pro goalies that are switching gear uh, overseas because when you're a pro overseas, you don't always get your choice. So we had a couple this summer that were like, my new team makes me wear this brand. What's going to be the difference? And we've had a lot of success sort of, you know, taking all the feedback we get and relaying that information to others. So if you've got questions, not that I'm looking to make our workload any, any, bigger right now but we have helped out quite a few people through direct messages on ig um you know hit us up if you've got some gear questions uh, about new lines and things that you're uncertain uh, we'd always steer you towards cam for the expertise but if we can help with a little tidbit here and there about how something integrates we will and just one quick thing i just realized this those first meetings with sonia dibiase and ccm hutch where did they take place i believe that was las vegas woody Full circle, Darren. We're talking to you in Vegas, and that's where this all got started at a Play True Hockey Expo in Vegas with me and Hutch and meeting all the different manufacturers. And Sonia, as Hutch said, was uh, you know just so open and so gracious with their time, and really uh, working with her was what got us started. Let's get the band back together then. Come on, <laughs> we have to. Who introduced us to Sonia though, Woody? Chad at the hockey shop. Hundred percent. Wow. There you go. It is yeah. like two degrees of separation here uh, in the goalie world. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll expand that a little bit because uh, I bring up the re- relationship with CCM, and we're gonna, we have a double episode of the gear segment this week, uh, a double dip as we bring in uh, part of the goalie team at CCM. Uh, Matthew Giroux is the category leader, 14 years of CCM, uh, eight years with the goalie team, and uh, Kaylee Denkevi is a product manager. Uh, she is uh, has a decade in the industry and three years with CCM, part of an extensive group uh, that works in uh, the goalie department over at CCM, uh, Woody. Like, it is a, uh, a pretty unique and uh, very dedicated uh, lineup of personnel that use all the technology and all the resources at their fingertips. Yeah, and a lot of R&D going on over there. And we've had a pleasure to, to get over to visit. And, you know, they wanted to make sure we included some of the, you know, some of the, a lot of the people that are behind the scenes that, that don't end up on the podcast with the interview. People like designers, Francis and Francois Olivier. Um, they've got teams working on mass sticks, skates that sort of cross over from player to goalie and work on both. Uh, they got R&D and advanced team working on performance testing and analysis. And then we, all, we know about some of the partnerships they have. University of Ottawa with the um the pods for the masks uh university of calgary with skates and then ryan frayne at dalhousie on the goalie side and the goalie biomechanics and we just did the chest protector uh if you haven't folks go back and find the episode where we had ryan frayne on you know talk yeah. we all you know we all want to like when we put on a chest protector there's there's tests we do we touch our ears and things but how he actually went in and, and evaluate those aren't the movements that matter for goalies and and part of his evaluation uh, of the movements that do matter actually led to a rejigging the original uh e-flex shield line 
didn't perform well their first version of it, not that went to retail, but the first test versions didn't perform well in the range of motion that mattered. And they made significant changes based on uh, the work that Dr. Ryan Frain had done on the biomechanics side. So, and then all the advisors, all the GOE coaches, Shane Clifford, Mike Buckley, Eli Wilson, David Marcou, they just, all these guys, they come together and try and create a better product. And so it was kind of cool for us to get a chance to talk to Matt and uh, Kaylee about this line. A little peek behind the curtain now at what goes into uh, an, an Updating the line of the E-Flex uh, series with the E-Flex 5 with Matthew Giroux and Kaylee Dankevi on InGoal Radio, the podcast. Exciting day. The launch of the CCM E-Flex 5 line is official. It's going to be at retailers. Um, we know we've talked about the customizer. We had some gear segments with the hockey shop sort of going over. But with to commemorate the launch, to sort of make it official, we figured we'd, we'd bring in the good folks behind CCM Goalie. Uh, Matt and Kaylee uh, are here with us today. A little special bonus gear segment here on the Ingold Radio podcast to talk about the new CCM Eplex 5 line. And let's just dive right in. Let's, uh, I want to talk to you about everything from some of the R&D work you guys are doing, some of the new materials you're incorporating. Uh, some of the work on research in terms of biomechanics. There's a whole bunch of stuff we could get into. But let's start with the product itself. Let's start at the pro level. Let's start at that senior level. Eflex 5, the pads. Biggest story in your mind? We've been getting a lot of crazy good feedback on the look, but is it rebounds? And can you walk us through the options now that exist on rebounds that weren't there before? Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, you know, rebound is definitely like a, a huge part of the game. Um, you know, goalies uh, working with their goalie coaches like this is an aspect that they look at quite a lot. Um, and, and so like we always had sort of two families, right? Like one very like more stiffer pad that gives like really powerful rebound and, and one that is more flexible that, you know, give more um, you know, softer or absorb a little bit more of those rebound. And, you know, E-Flex being a, a pan that, um, you know, cater to a lot of goaltenders, I think um, with today's uh, position, the game being played um, extremely fast and goaltenders spending a lot of time in butterfly and, and wanted a pad that moves with their legs. Um, you know, E-Flex is a, definitely a pad that, that fits well with that kind of position. Um, but, but there was some goaltenders that, you know, kind of stress some, the interest of having like, um, you know, those powerful rebound of, of an access pad that, that can provide, but also other goaltenders that like to control the rebound, um, better. So like the, the idea, I think really kind of spike, um, from there in really like working with, uh, goalie coaches, um, you know, getting that, that, that feedback from, from goaltenders as well. Um, and I would say like in, in a second, uh, kind of areas that obviously like we're very, um, performance driven. Um, so whether, you know, through our different labs that we have internally, like our physical lab, uh, where we have, um, you know, the, the Canon, um, but also like our performance lab where we have, um, you know, mocap, so motion capture, when we can dive into more of the nitty gritty of, of the, the behavior of the pads and whatnot. Um, I think this is really where we started to um, look at different technologies and how we can really tackle um, um, that feature. 
Well, okay, and let's turn to you, Kaylee. You can tell us about the specific technologies and the options because for the first time ever, we've always like eFlex remains a line that is sort of defined by, well, I guess flexibility, especially down towards the boot and the sort of ability of a goaltender to have a pad that sort of maybe fits a little snugger and moves with the leg as opposed to looser and around the leg. But it's also always been a, a pad we associated with softer rebounds. Now you have options. Max rebound, you can choose at custom. Control rebound is stock. And also, again, at custom, you can choose either one. Um, but uh, so walk me through Walk me through what uh, the differences and the options that exist that have never existed before in an eFlex line. Yeah, it is pretty exciting for us to open up the options for goaltenders and to Matt's point, just look at how the game's being played and what the needs of the goalie really are. Um, so the first introduction for us for this year was the control rebound technology. So that's where we're looking at that goalie that wants that softer feel pad. They want to still really kind of keep control of some elements of the puck on certain rebounds. So what we're looking at there is, can we find a foam that kind of does it all? It offers the best of both worlds. So I almost refer to it as a, a hybrid technology where when we tested this foam and, uh, you know, we looked at it in our performance lab, we're able to do a lot of pad rebound testing where we use our shot cannon and we're able to adjust the speed to see how the pad reacts to certain shots. Uh, what we're able to dial into is a foam that allows the uh, goaltender to have really active, very powerful rebounds off of harder shots. So you're looking at those one-timers, those clappers from the point, or even just that really standard hard wrist shot that a lot of players have developed. That's going to give that active rebound. However, we also know that the E-flex goalie, when the puck's in tight, potentially on a wraparound, looking at a scramble in front, um, where you really want to corral the puck in some cases, we want to make sure the foam is able to do that for the goaltender rather than having that awkward, you know, six to eight foot rebound that we all dread. So with control rebound, you're getting those two different attributes. And then Kevin, to your point, a brand new option at custom is to also allow the goaltender to choose max rebound if that's better suited for their style of play. So max rebound, goalies may remember, hopefully, that it's from our axis line. Um, and essentially, it's a stiffer foam overall. Um, and it's built for active rebounds no matter what. So if it's that shot from point, it's a shot from the corner, that wraparound, you name it. It's built for that goalie that's always looking to properly position themselves and direct the puck outwards with control in the direction that they're, uh, you know, they're hoping to, to sway that rebound. Um, so a very different feel, but both available with an E-Flex pad. So um, excited to be able to offer that this year as a first, um, I think, in the industry. So a control rebounding again. So like that long, hard slapper that we want to direct into the corner and away from re that. That one's going to rock it off. But that little wrap, that little tip, the one that sort of doesn't have enough pace to, to get way out of the way, that's going to stay close. I love the idea. I almost think of it as like a smart foam almost. I got my smart I got my smart phone. Now I need a smart phone. That's a good way to put it. And it came directly from looking at a lot of footage, speaking with our goalie advisors. Um, and that's exactly the feedback that they were giving given to us. That there's a time and a place to direct it out, but there's also a time where, you know, a lot of goalies still want to corral it, keep it in control, and potentially get that whistle. So uh, that's what we're able to do. So now walk me through knee rolls, guys, because, um, you know, this is one where I think when we saw some of the early pictures, we, we changed some shape, um, you know, maybe 
Kaylee, you can speak to this at the start. You even built an eFlex without knee rolls, didn't you? As you went through this R&D phase to see what it was like. What was the response? You guys like, it's not just willy nilly, let's make some pads. There's a lot of research that goes into this, um, whether it's with goalies on the ice or, you know, sort of research groups and market research in terms of their opinions about how things look like. Why is it important to have knee rolls on the eFlex line for goalies? And what did you change in this one? And it's it's really interesting to me. Are you like, is there a little bit of told you so going on here? Because there was some early heat on the design and the look of that molded roll originally. And yet now that we're seeing sets out in the wild, the overwhelming feedback is how much they pop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a, a great intro for what we were looking to do and achieve uh, with the new design of the E-Flex 5. So, you know, to your point, our product creation and development process starts years before when you actually see the product hit the shelves and approaching uh, our launch day. So what we were doing for the knee rolls is looking at, you know, fundamentally, do goalies need knee rolls? And what we learned is that knee rolls are about much more than performance. They're ultimately about what the goalie thinks about the look, the attribute, just that overall kind of like flex and feel that they've just automatically affiliated for years with knee rolls. So to your point, Kevin, we had a kind of classic E-Flex 5 version with your standard rounded knee rolls. We had a version that had no knee rolls whatsoever. And then we had a version with a flatter design. And basically the process here was to try to get it in front of as many goalies as possible. Um, so that involved traveling to different tournaments, talking to goalies of all ages, all levels, your elite goaltenders, a few recreational goalies as well to really figure out what's going on in their minds and where do they stand on knee rolls. Um, and overwhelmingly, the answer was eFlex needs knee rolls. Like, do not make an eFlex pad without knee rolls. We need knee rolls. The answers varied in terms of why it was so important to the goalie, but the consensus was hands down move forward with knee rolls. So that was phase one. And then essentially with phase two, it was, okay, we can do knee rolls. That's no problem. But what can we get out of the knee rolls? We know from a performance side of things that with our testing and, you know, it's not really surprising that a flatter design can be more beneficial for the goaltender. So how do we want to present that? So phase two was having a few different shapes, a few different iterations of knee rolls, and again, getting in front of goaltenders and getting their feedback and opinion. And I should mention, we were really lucky that this all happened pre-pandemic. Uh, we were way ahead of the game there. So that didn't interfere. We could travel and we could get this feedback. Um, and what it came down to was they're open to new, a new look. They're open to something a little bit more refreshing, a new take on a knee roll. Um, so the design that you see now on the E-Flex 5 is directly built off of goaltender feedback. Um, for us, we just wanted to ensure that it was flat and you could perform at your best with the design. And then secondly, that it was a design that worked with the pad, not against it. So the way that we have the flex points throughout, kind of the angulation of the knee rolls, we just wanted to make sure that that was all working with the goalie um, and something that they would really come around to, which I think we're seeing right now as we speak. You talked about you know focus groups and getting a feel for what goalies want. Uh, you also sort of take that into the lab, Matt, with what goalies need. We've talked a lot in the past about the research with Ryan Frayne. Our gear segment this week is uh, the new Eflex 5 chest protector. And I know we've had Ryan on the podcast before talking about 
you know, we all do the sort of standard tests when we put one on, you know, can we scratch our nose or whatever, but how it was important to look at the actual functional ranges of motion of a goaltender. And so that market research you've done with him, those partnerships with people like Ryan Frayne and other sort of academic institutions um, bring you things like quick strap motion, pads that actually can get to the ice before the knee does and things like that. What are some of the innovations we've seen in EFLEX 5 and what do you see moving forward as CCM continues to expand those partnerships? And and is there a focus? Am I, am I right in saying there's a, you know, I don't want to say a shift because it's always been there, but maybe even more of a focus on on R&D and that type of, um, you know, putting in different biomechanics type elements into the way we build goaltending equipment? Uh, no, it's a very good question. Uh, and, and definitely, I think it's a fair comment to say that um, it's something we've been doing for a couple of years. Um, but we definitely like, you know, over the last, you know, two years or, or two, three years, like put a, a, a greater emphasis um, you know, we, we've talked about how the game has evolved a lot. Um, you know, the, the game is much faster these days. Um, you know, the goalies play a in a butterfly more so position all the time, like on their knees. Um, you know, I, I often like in speaking with Kaylee or everybody else, like I, you know, refer to, um, a, you know, a better goalie is, is somebody that's going to have like, you know, fast feet and can move very quickly in, in that knee position. And so, you know, there, there's things that are intuitions that we know about, but the game is so fast that there's things that we don't, we, we can just kind of capture or, or get. And, you know, working um, either with our, you know, with, with external partnership with Ryan Frame, which has that expertise to really slow down things and, and break down things um, where we can analyze different function um, is, is really key in our, um, you know, design innovation and, and, and how we bring that forward. Now, some of the, one of the other things we haven't focused on it yet, but with it, you know, just looking still at that senior and pro level pad for the Eflex five and the iterations, this is the first time you guys have had a chance to sort of take a look at the gloves from a redesign standpoint, a little bit of a change. And, and maybe you can walk me through, you know, I think people, you know, the, the backhand and the, and the changes in the cuffs and how that actually affects performance. And if you can, in any way, maybe Kaylee start with this one. Um, can you quantify the difference in feel? We're in the process of doing it ourselves for a review. Quantifying the difference in feel on that on that 600 break, for example, from before. Yeah, I think that's a great question because I've already gotten a few questions from different goalies asking, okay, there's a new 600, you've made some changes to the glove, but what does that really mean? And I think the biggest thing to reiterate to goalies is, a 600 break that they've come to know and love in terms of the position on the hand, the way it sits, the angle of the overall pocket and the T and how it works within the glove. That's the same, like everything they know and they've come to expect we've maintained with the new 600. The change that we've made is actually internal on the cuff. Um, you know, for goalies that really know their glove inside and out, um, there was previously almost like a little bump towards the end of the cuff um, that was interfering a little bit with closure. And we recognized that and we were able to do a bit of a deep dive into the cuff um, to see how we could change it while still maintaining the protection that goalies need. Um, and our designers, you know, worked through a few different iterations and ultimately found one that the break stays the same, the positioning stays the same, but now you just get that crisper, really easy break in um, 
that goalies want. So it's just kind of like a 600 2.0 with the one thing that may have irritated goalies now addressed, taken care of, come check it out um, and get exactly what you're looking for out of that 600. Um, and the tough thing is to your point, it's, it's internal. So people don't see that, but what they notice instead is the backhand and the cuff that have also been completely redesigned as well. So I guess- what? I was going to say backhand, like people don't think much of a backhand other than, hey, I just need enough to protect us against that jerk who's going to come down and, you know, decide they want the puck I've already got covered. They want to take a whack and hit. Like we need just enough for that. I don't think enough people realize like how materials and the importance of flex on the backhand affect the glove's ability to close on the other end and how those two are integrated. Can you share anything in terms of, you know, how that's changed, if at all, in this one? And, and how that affects the closure as well, the way you've reworked the back. I think when you look at an overall glove and in an open position and then you close it, you, you look at, you know, the back end specifically and the back end does travel quite a lot in that, you know, closure and movement. And so I think any design element that you can tweak to allow that travel without any um, additional restriction will definitely help and increase that that closure and that snap that goalies are looking for off the shelf. So, um, yeah, this is a, definitely like an important piece in the overall uh, closure of the glove. Okay, no, I'm not. I don't want to geek out too much here because I'm the only one that 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 sort of does these level things. So the audience is going to have to forgive me. Parts matter. Um, one of the things we've always talked about um, with CCM products uh, over the years, and this is with NHL goalies right up to the National Hockey League, is the consistency of delivery. Guys like Roberto Luongo over the years, how I could get a pad and then get the next pad and know it feels exactly the same. It performs exactly the same. Wear it once, get it on the ice. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that's not so much just about how it's put together as it is the materials inside it. And CCM's invested heavily in injection molded parts and creating parts that are going to hold their shape longer because, you know, again, you've invested in the machinery so that the part is created in that shape versus, you know, say a glove piece that starts as a flat piece of plastic and is heat molded into a shape. But as it takes pucks off, it wants to return to its original form. There's a there's a science lesson here about all matters wanting to revert. Um continues still got that injection molded core at the pro level and at the senior level and in, and in these glove pieces to sort of maintain that consistency is that is that something you guys are continuing to focus and continuing on with the eflux pipeline yeah definitely i think if you look at all pieces whether it's the pad um where we have the uh, injection molding uh, molding core um or the glove where we have the um you know ep molded uh, uh one piece core as well um to your point kevin i think these are, are technologies that are accessible to us. They are expensive technologies, but they are worth the technologies because it definitely helped uh, keep that consistency throughout production, um, you know, as, as you build so many pieces. And, and to your point, I think goaltenders, when they get, you know, multiple glove in a season or even um, a regular goaltender is like get a glove one year and switch um, to a new glove the second year, you know, you want to get that same feeling. You want to get that same consistency. And these uh, these parts are, are, are key to achieve this for sure. I think they're also, you know, I think durability is another thing I associate with them. And I know that will make the parents happy when we when we hear about durability and things that last a little longer. And speaking of keeping the parents happy, Hutch wasn't able to join us today. 
Um, his little guy is no longer a little guy, but I remember he always used to ask these questions. What's, you know, what's new, what's next when his guy was in intermediate and junior line. So Kaylee, can you walk us through as much as we tend and almost to a fault at times, focus on the, the adult stuff, the, the full size senior and pro stuff. Um, for a lot of people, it's that next price point down. That's the most important. You don't, you know, even, even at adult level, you can be absolutely hundred percent playing in that stuff. Um, walk us through what the other lines are and how, how some of these changes specifically translate down to intermediate and junior. Yeah, for sure. So we have both a 5.9 and a 5.5 line within the eFlex family for this year. So the 5.9 is available in senior and also probably most importantly in intermediate as well. So the idea behind the 5.9 is to take as many performance attributes from the eFlex 5 and just bring it down into this mid-level pad. So when we look at goalies in this segment, especially intermediate goalies, which we find are generally kind of that 11 to 14 year old, in some cases like me, I could wear intermediate. So some female goalies are in this category as well. They still need something that performs like they're on the ice a lot. They're playing a lot of, uh, of hockey. Potentially they even work with a goalie instructor as well. And they're pretty dialed in with their game. So in this case, we're bringing down that new near old design. We're bringing the same dual light core flex profile into the pad. We're bringing that new 600 glove and a thinner, lighter, um, but still very stiff blocker board into this family so that goaltenders can still get that elite level performance, but just spec'd appropriately um, for their level of play. So that's the 5.9. And then we have the 5.5 that um, is available as, a, you know, kind of a, a basic recreational senior pad. Um, but again, most importantly, it's our junior offering as well as our youth offering. So um, with the 5.5 junior and youth, we really want to look at how young kids play. You can't just take the same product you're making at a senior level and make it smaller and call it a day, toss some logos on it. Um, we really need to look at kids and that's where our goalie advisors come into play. We speak to so many goalie coaches that work with young goalies. We even did a few focus groups with younger goalies as well to figure out what their needs are. So, um, for the pads for this year, we've adjusted the widths a little bit so that the goalies get greater mobility. It's more tailored to their smaller legs, smaller bodies, um, for the glove and blocker, we've looked at how big the palm size is and adjusted it a little bit so it's more suitable for their smaller hands. So everything around that 5.5 junior and youth is specifically for that young goalie and looking at what their needs are compared to a goalie that's, you know, maybe playing at the peewee bantam and then beyond level. So um, definitely worth checking out for, for those little goalies. Perfect news. Smaller hands, smaller gloves. I think Hutch is going to be looking at ordering some intermediate blockers and gloves. He wasn't here today, so I get to take that shot. Um, Kaylee, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Excited that launch day is finally here. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of other products we want to get through. Like we said, the gear segment today is the Eflex 5 uh, chest protector. Uh, We're going to get into some of those lower lines and do some reviews on them. We've got things like sticks coming out later on. We're going to do the full works and go over the entire line. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time on launch day to walk us through some of the highlights and some of the partnerships and some of the research and some of the development that goes into developing these products and some of the investments you guys have made. We thank you for your time. We thank you for being goalies and taking care of the rest of us goalies. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure. 
it, that that was great, and I I love the part about the the kids, uh, the they're getting into the goaltending uh, world that uh, you're going out for your first couple of years playing hockey, and those kids that are they're playing, and they make the pads narrower, they make the the gloves better, uh, more more situated uh, for for those those hands and those bodies as opposed to what what Kaylee said about you can't take uh, top of the line eflex five line and put it on a kid and you you got to tweak it. So I, I think that sometimes that gets, gets lost uh, when, when we would talk about all the new gear. I'm not making fun of, of your hands at all. Honestly, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 just howling in <laughs> the background. I, I, I tried to hold it. I, tried I wasn't, to, I tried I wasn't to. making fun of your hands, honest, but it's, it's important. If you want somebody to fall in love with the game, you have to make them uh, enjoy it, and part of that is having gear that they can get around and make saves, and and not just be weighted down um, by by the process. And the pads, that the narrow pads, like that's that's a huge uh, piece of information that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, and and then the way the pads are constructed for the kids to be good skaters and for their balance on the ice, and you know, I'm we we mentioned the amount of research that goes into developing these products. And I remember, I'm going to say eight years ago, certainly quite some time ago, they, they sent along their, their youth line asking us to have a look at it. And then when I was in Montreal, asked me to come in and, and share our thoughts on it. And really, they didn't care what my thoughts were. They wanted to know what my son Maddie's thoughts were on the gear because they were so concerned with how it worked for a younger goaltender and uh, my opinion was sort of very much secondary uh, I, I would respond and they no 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 but but what was Matthew's experience with this and and it was le- legit um, so, so they're taking the opinions of goaltenders of all ages uh, as they're working through these product cycles and and I know they talked about the research that that goes on there that we've seen and, and Woody has mentioned again it is it is a very impressive setup. But for me, the thing that really struck home the most, guys, was how far ahead they are in the development cycle. Um, this isn't just sort of a, a quick tweak to a, to a pad so that they can release a new line each year. Um, they're, they're working two, three, and more years ahead in that product development cycle. That's how long it takes to do the research and then tweak the designs and then implement what they're doing um, to the point that, that sometimes, and, and we laugh about it, but They'll show us the newest line and ask us what we think, and either uh, we'll give an opinion and they'll say, well, actually, yeah, yeah, we already thought of that one. That's coming in the next line. Or sometimes we'll say, guys, we really think you might want to do this. Well, yeah, we're a little far down the road, but, but three years from now, we might be able to, to work what you guys are thinking into the line, or that, that's probably a little far. But um, there is a lengthy product development cycle that I think really speaks to the research that's happening there. Well said, and uh, so the present is really the past, and uh, and the future is happening right now. <laughs> if if you can follow that, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, as you, we got we got some time to think about it as we bring you in our Sensorino VR feature interview of the week. Brian Decord. If you followed the goaltending world, you know who he is. You're aware of uh, what he's done, but we haven't heard from Brian. We actually heard from Son. But uh, Brian is uh, is a guest that we've been uh, waiting to get and uh, and very happy to land on this episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast. And we cover a lot of different things uh, from Sensorina, 
to goaltender scouting and uh, what they're looking for to uh, just uh, working with your goalie coach. This is Brian DeCourt. Really excited about this one. You're going to enjoy it uh, immensely. Brought to you by Sensorina VR, the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Really excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio podcast. Uh, first appearance, long overdue. His son's been on the show before, son Joey. Brian DeCord, Arizona Coyotes Director of Goaltending Operations. Uh, a guy whose name you've heard here on the podcast when we talk about Sense Arena. He's got an advisory role there. Uh, the work he's done with Stop It Goaltending has come up over the years, whether we're talking to Corey Schneider. Or, you have pretty much connections. We could probably play, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's probably two degrees of Brian DeCord, and you've you've had a contact or an interaction or an effect on somebody's career at some point. So thank you so much for taking the time. Um, how are things? Everything's great. It, thank you very much for having me. It's really exciting to to be on. I mean, we're all living in COVID world, and one of the things that was great about the regular world was when I was on the road and driving between uh, Kelowna, uh, and Kamloops, I'd be able to listen to a podcast and, and I get all my in goal podcasts while I'm out scouting and, and uh, driving in the car. So I miss that. I miss that, but it's, uh, it's great to be on. I'm excited to be on. Well, it's, it is funny because we've seen sort of some of the demographic and some of the listenership change because you're right. Nobody's in their car anymore. So a uh, little tip to everyone else. You can still listen at home, but it is ideal for those car rides. So Let's start with let's start with the current role, Brian, because I, I just feel like there are so many different directions we could take this in. We're probably going to need a part two. But the job this summer and taking, taking the job in Arizona, the director of goaltending operations, and, and I remember we talked about this for an article in NHL.com and how key that last word was, operations. And maybe you could just walk our listeners now through what the job entails, how you envision it as much as you can, and what, what it's been like, what this transition has been like to be at the leading edge of this creation of more expanded, larger goaltending department. Well, I think when you look at a goalie department as a whole, there's so many aspects to it, and a lot of it goes overlooked. There's so much communication that has to be done from the, the scouting to the development to the performance it has to be one continuous loop, right? So it's got to be everybody on the same page, pulling the same direction with the same mindset and, and mentality. And, you know, if you, if you have, let's say, a breakdown in one of those areas where one of those areas isn't fitting with the others, the whole thing, the whole thing's done. So from a, let's say from an organizational standpoint, like you have to decide, are, are you drafting goalies? Are you, are you going to be one of those clubs that says, you know, it, it just isn't worth drafting goalies. It, it takes them too long to develop. We're better off signing a free agent. We're better off waiting for someone to come up uh, uh, as an unrestricted uh, after X amount of years. So you could have that philosophy or yeah, you know, we'll draft the goal in the first round. We'll draft the goal in the second round. We'll develop our own. So you know, right there from an organization, you have to have a blueprint of how you want to do it. And then from the scouting, what exactly are you looking for? What are the attributes that are key to you and your organization? And a lot of that has to do with your head goalie coach. So your NHL goalie coach, he's the one that ultimately has to make sure that these guys are performing at a level that's going to give your team a chance to win. 
So what are the things that are important for him? What are the, what are the things that are important for the scout to know and for that scout to hand off to the development coach in the American Hockey League? And then that coach to hand off to the NHL goalie coach and then making sure that everybody knows what the philosophy is and, and what everybody's looking for. So it's a lot more than just, let's say, you know, director goalie, goaltending, oper- or goaltending, director of goaltending, right? And then you have director goaltending operations. And the reason why I really wanted to, to have the operations title is to make sure that it's, it's all encompassing and that your head goalie coach, Corey Schwab's an unbelievable goalie coach we have here in Arizona. And it's like, he, he's the head goalie coach. And what my role is, we speak almost every day. Uh, we're always communicating. And it's great for him because he's so busy doing what he has to do, which is make sure that our goalies are performing, that I'm able to keep them up to speed with everything going on, as well as as communicating with day-to-day decisions that we have to make, uh, in, including the long-term and, and mid-term decisions we have to make. So um, I think it's important that within an organization, your NHL goalie coach, he, he's the head guy from a, you know, a goaltending performance standpoint, and then the operations where I'm in, just making sure the whole thing is is working. And I, I guess one one way to look at it is, you know, geez, development camp. What are you going to do for development camp? How many goalies are you going to bring in? You're going to bring in major junior guy. You're going to bring in a college guy. Uh, this college guy you bring in, maybe two years out before you think he's going to leave school. So, how are you going to go about? Uh, inviting that guy. And at the same time, how are you going to go about following up with that goaltender? Right? Like, you know, what's the process going to be? Who's going to keep in touch with him for the next two years after development camp so that when he does come out of college as a free agent, you're one of the teams that's ready to sign him. So there's a lot that goes into it. um, That is more than what your NHL goalie coach can handle while he's making sure that your performance is at the highest level. It's such an all-encompassing job and it's such a demanding job, the NHL goalie coach job. Like it's just like it's it's a grind, right? Like I've seen what these guys go through. And it can also become quite insular. You are in that bubble within your team. Uh it can be hard to find the time, or in some cases, teams don't allow them to sort of expand, to sort of look at new things, new ideas, because they're so stuck in that bubble within their team. Do you with stop at goaltending and having this 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 place where goalies from all over the world come to train and different voices and different opinions, does it is it a perfect way for you to sort of make sure your guys not that you're dictating to them, but you're sort of making sure and helping them expand their horizons so that if there are new ideas like like a sense arena, for example, they have access to that. They don't have to go looking for new ideas. You can kind of bring all these new concepts to them. Is that a big part of the gig right now? Well, you know, it's funny because I think any, any goalie coach, you know, that that's going to be a good goalie coach is someone that's open-minded that is continuously learning. So, you know, I just got back from Arizona and, and, you know, go to the morning skates and the practices. And afterwards me and Corey are just talking about that drill and this drill and then what we do and, you know, Hey, you know, what do you think about using an undersquare there? Oh yeah. Geez. Yeah. How would you do that? You know, so we're going back and forth and, and it's, it's great stuff. And I think that, I think that it's really important that I'm able to bring some of the, 
the drills and the concepts and the philosophies that, that I have, that I get from my coaches, that, that I get from being around and being at the different ranks and seeing the different goalies and talking to the different goalie coaches. I'm able to bring that to Corey because he's, he's with the team. You know, he can't, he can't get out and do that, um, which I can. So I think that's a huge part of the role. And, and that goes along for, you know, so just the other day, I got this report on two-on-one probabilities to shoot, where to shoot, when to pass, you know, geez, my job is to get that to the goalie guys in the group. And then, you know, so we have a monthly goaltending department meeting. We'll probably talk about that two-on-one and, and, and see, analyze a little bit about what that report came out with and how it applies to us and how we can use it. So I think it's, it's always, I mean, that's, that's what we do as goalie guys, right? We're always, we're always trying to stay ahead of those shooters and, and trying to try to do anything we can to, to keep progressing and moving forward. It reminds me of an old conversation I had with Mitch Korn. I always used to wonder, because the grind, like I said, the grind that you guys go through and you've been a goalie coach at that level in the National Hockey League and overseas, like it is a grind. And so then every year the grind would end and you'd go do these summer camps all over the place with kids. And I never understood it. I'm like, I was kind of like, why? Because he, and he always used to say, because it brings new ideas. Because if you're stagnant and you're not out there in the outside of your bubble, it can be hard to get those new ideas. How much? Well, well, hold, hold on. Go I, ahead. I got to yep. comment on that because the truth of the matter is, so at Stop It, we're so fortunate. We get so many different goalies, right? So, you know, you, you can look at, at the NHL any given year, at least 10% of the goalies have gone through Stop It, at least. Okay. And some of them may have come for a summer, like Chris Reger was in this summer, you know, other guys have been here for, you know, 14 years, like Corey Schneider, but, you know, and, and everybody in between, right? So guys coming in uh, to, to do certain programs or spend two weeks at a time or two months at a time. So, you know, we're, we're always, we always have those experiences of those guys coming in. But the truth of the matter is we learn more from the guys than they learn from us. You think about it, you know, we have all these different guys that come and they, they, they work with different goalie coaches here, there, whatever, and they, they're bringing new ideas and new concepts and doing new things. And, and all of a sudden you're going, wow, that's awesome. Let's incorporate that into our system. So you're always picking up off the kids. And then the other neat thing is we're very fortunate. We have a lot of strong, like older, better goalies, and they're able to work in groups, right? So, you know, um, when you go in the summertime, you're not very rarely are you ever going to be the top dog. So you're always working with guys that are better than you. And it's really neat for the college guys, you know, a college guy will jump in with a pro group, you know, uh, you know, my son, Joey, you know, he'll, he'll walk in with some NHL guys. And like, it, it's always cool, like to have that mix. So, so, you know, Joey's had the chance to, to work with some better goalies. And, and when, kids come to stop it there's usually better goalies on the ice than they are and and they're able to learn and we're learning so it's one one big school environment everybody's just learning out there it's awesome it's like an on-ice think tank absolutely it is and it's it's every summer and it's like you know you get you get your your guys that uh are here all the time and then you get you guys come in and it's always fresh it's always exciting every summer i look forward to it to see who we're gonna have and and what they're going to bring to the bring to the the group. I want to get into some of that stuff and some of the on ice stuff, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about scouting too, because part of being the director of goaltending operations with Arizona is sort of 
working with and building out a scouting department that's goalie specific. And obviously there's some things you won't be able to tell us. We don't, we don't want to give away anything that you guys are working on that's ahead of the curve. But you were the first, like you were ahead of the curve on the goalie scouting department. You were the first full-time goaltending scout hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. What, what have you learned over the years that you can share, maybe from the perspective of, you know, again, without giving away what you're looking for, but like advice to kids, like things that you can, you know, in terms of what, maybe not even at the NHL level, but, you know, what a scout is looking for, what kind of things matter if you're a kid and you know somebody's in the stands watching you that day or what type of work habits are important? What is there anything you can share there? Again, I know I put you on the spot there, but without giving too much away from the, you know, anything proprietary you're doing with Arizona, but the importance of having someone who understands goaltending doing the scouting. And then from the flip side, you know, what should kids be focusing on to, to catch that eye? Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to kind of flip that around a little bit in the sense that they really should be focusing on nothing. So at the end of the day, I, I've said this a hundred times, like you're playing to win the game. Okay. And for a goalie to perform well, he's got to be, or she has to be a hundred percent into doing whatever they can to help their team win. And whether it's, you're playing for your team, let's, you know, you're playing for the Islanders and you're playing the junior sharks and, and you have a, well, you know what? You're trying to help the Islanders win. That's what you're trying to do. Whether you win one, nothing three to two or six, five, it doesn't matter. You're trying to help that team win. So, you know, when you're playing in that, the Beantown classic and there's 102 scouts in the building watching you play and you're playing on the purple team and you're playing on the white team, you go into that game and you're going, Hey, let's go purple. All you're focused on is that purple team winning the game. Cause if you start thinking about what someone else is thinking, how you made that save or didn't make that save or how you handled that rim or whatever, whatever it is, if you start thinking, what the scouts are looking for, you're dead. No chance. You got to be in the moment and you just got to be trying to win the game and be totally engulfed and, 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 and focused on that. Just being present with that. Cause if not, you're in trouble. So whether, whether I'm there or, or Clay Adams, our, our goaltending scout or Magnus Olsen, our European goaltender, whether they're in the building or not should have zero impact on how a goaltender plays a game. Okay, so that's interesting to hear. Like, I almost want to have uh, our producer cut in a little clip from Top Gun because it, it dates me every time I use it, but I love to use it. It's that old line, if you think out there, you're dead. You don't have time to think up there. If you think, you're dead. Right, like there you, you said. You, yeah. So how does that apply? So that's from the goalie scouting perspective, and I love that. I love that they can't be thinking about the fact you're there. How does that apply to sort of the goalie development process. Cause we're always trying to learn new things. It's a constantly evolving position. Um, the concept of games played neuroplasticity, learning new concepts and being able to take them into a game without thinking, how do we find that balance between the two and from a development perspective? All right. So here we go. We're going to, we're, we're, we're going to get into grandma Darlene here. Something she told me about 30 years ago. Okay. She goes, you know, Brian, it's okay to have a couple of beers. It's okay to drink beer. You just can't drink 24 beers a night. 
right? It's okay to have some chocolate. You just don't want to be woofing down three Milky Ways every afternoon, right? Like it's about, life's about moderation. And goaltending is about moderation as well. So you've got, let's say, the, the, the two ends of the spectrum. You've got blocking and you've got reacting. And you're going to fall somewhere around the middle of that, right? So it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be, you're not going to be equal. But you've got to find that middle ground. So in, in goaltending development, this is where, I, where, where my head's at, right? We've had lots of conversations about this. But where my head's at is, you know what? If you want to be a good goalie and you want to be consistent, you got to learn your scales. So anybody that plays an instrument, they'll understand. If you don't know your scales, if you don't spend the time to learn your scales, then you'll never be able to be consistent at playing that instrument. You just can't, hey, I'm going to learn guitar, I'm going to learn the C chord, D chord, and G chord, and then I'm going to play a bunch of songs. You, you'll, ne you'll never, if you don't learn your scales, then you're just going to hit a plateau in terms of consistency, right? So you've got, you've got that end. And then you've got to have the, the neuroplasticity, the, the ability to read a shot, the ability to figure out a way to stop a pot. So you've got to combine those two ends of the spectrum, the, the, the mechanics, the structure of your game with the ability to be athletic and reactive and figure out a way to roll over and throw a blocker and, and knock the puck out of midair and make a save. Like, you, you've got to have that. You can't be you can't be too far one way or the other. So you got to have you got to have that, you know, moderation. So at the end of the day, for me, what I'm looking for in terms of training and in terms of development, where you get that structure. But you're also trying different things and unique ways to do things and and, and unique environments so that you're always. You're always growing those new neural pathways. The more neural pathways, the, the, the faster your processing speed. So therefore, for me, where I'm at in the training end of things, it's, it's doing both. It's learning your scales, getting your mechanics and your structure so that you can do it consistently over time and then adding that ability to be an athlete, to read and react and make a big save. So the scales are the mechanics, the the how you yeah. move, the biomechanics, the foundations, and do they go up at different? Like if you're if you're learning the bottom end of the scale, is that skating? And then as we get older, we add post integration. Are all those technical elements? Do they all form part of that scale, that toolbox that everyone talks about? Absolutely, and I think that is so so interesting. USA Hockey did a study a few years ago, and it was an optimal window of trainability study. And they determined between the age of 13 and 15 was your optimal window trainability. That means you could learn the most skills, have the most retention in the shortest amount of time. It doesn't mean you can't learn at 10 or you can't learn at 16, but your retention level, the ability to, to learn quickly and retain it, that's your peak. And I'll, I'll, I'll make you cringe here when I tell you where your second peak is. I'm hoping it's 47 because that means there's still hope for me. No, there's no hope for you. I'm sorry. Six years old. <laughs> really? Yeah, six years old. So, so you have a peak at six, not as high as 13 to not, not as high as 13 to 15, but you got a peak at six. 
right? Which is a little ironic because when I look at my guy, um, my oldest son, Joey, I've got two goalies, you know. I got yes. uh, I got Alex at uh, St. Aspen College and I got Joey in Ottawa there. And when I look at Joey, when he was five, six years old, before he started going out with his team, we actually did 16 lessons. So before he, before he ever saw a puck at a mic practice or a game, he had done 16 lessons of how to stand, how to move, how to hold his gloves, so on and so forth. And I didn't realize it at the time until I saw this optimal window trainability that, you know, that is such a key time, you know, because think about it. It's your first time doing it whether it's swinging a baseball bat or whether it's shooting a hockey puck. So you're just, you're learning it from scratch. So intuitively it makes sense, right? So you're learning something for the first time. If you get taught well at that time, there should be pretty good retention from that. And then the key thing about the 13 to 15 is, you know, and and this is, I have a goalie academy with 16 kids called the bridge. And the, the cool thing is between 13 and 15, the kids are old enough right? To understand what you're doing, understand the concepts and the philosophy. Um, They're strong enough to do all the moves. And they're just not cool enough to tell you to go fly a kite yet, right? As a coach. They're just just not at that 17 and 18 years old where they're looking at you like, I know, I know more than you coach. So it's a, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous age group to be able to get a lot of work done. Yeah, see, I can relate. My daughter just turned seventeen yesterday, so believe me, there's a lot of there's a lot of nodding going on on this end. Um, (laughs) Now, now that's interesting to hear that I I hadn't heard about the six year old thing. Now, how much of it is like because I know you had some programs. How much sometimes can the results, even on a rep to rep basis, get in the way of learning something new? And when I talk about results, I mean things like the puck. For example, like when we talk about learning new movement patterns, yeah, that that we all talk about, don't chase it, don't chase it. But there's sometimes there's this thing that once it's there, we break what we know is optimal form because we need to chase it. We feel we got to get there, and maybe it's hard to convince our body that moving the other way will get us there more effectively because we just need to go. How have yeah. you? Like I know there are some points along the way. I don't know how much you can talk about it where you've taken the puck out of play, for example, in this development curve. What have well, you yeah, about so. That? So that, that program that I just discussed, the first two months, literally, they're there five days a week. The first two months, they don't see a puck. So that's the bridge. bridge. Yeah, those kids don't see a puck for the first two months. And exactly the reason why you say, I mean, a puck's going to pull them out of optimal form. So if you're training muscle memory and how exactly, how you want your head tilt to be, how, where you want your shoulder, where you want your elbow, what's your hip flexion going to be, what's your knee flexion going to be. When you're trying to get all this, if you, in, if you put a, a, a puck into play, then all of a sudden you're going to cut down the amount of reps you can do where they are memorizing the movement, right? So there's a great book by Daniel Coyle uh, called Talent Coat, which is an absolute must for any parent of a, of a, you know, motivated hockey player or athlete. And it's, it's kind of like outliers. If outliers is macroeconomics, all right, the talent code is micro. And there's a great chapter about a tennis academy in Russia that had produced five of the top 10 women in, in, in the world. And, and what they were known for is teaching them how to play without tennis balls, right? 
So they got their swing. If you think about it, if, you, if you're going to swing to hit a ball, if that, if that swing's always at the same place, you're going to get your muscle memory and your mechanics done right. But the minute you and introduce the ball, you have to reach for it or it handcuffs you, it changes everything. So, and that's where I go back to the scales, right? That's, that's learning scales where you're not trying to play a song. You're just trying to get the mechanics right. And there's got to be an element of that to your training. How hard is that to get them in those age windows to spend two months without pucks? Cause that can be, you know, like, is the, is the, how, how do you get that buy-in? Cause that, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, sometimes we all just want to play too, right? Absolutely. So the way you get the buy-in is like I said, that 13 to 15, they're mature enough. They understand what they're doing. Now, the fascinating thing about it is they're probably more tired getting off the ice from not having pucks than having pucks because they they're out there they're in their crease they've got an ipad right in front of them on mirror mode they've got another ipad that's recording them so they're doing things like picture this literally stand straight up close their eyes stomp their feet with the eyes closed get in the stance open your eyes see where you're at Make your little fine tuning. You know what? Nope. Blocker's got to be a touch here. Glove's got to be a touch farther out. Do it again. Close your eyes. Stand up. Stomp. Do it again. Over and over and over until you got your stance. You can feel it. Like you got your eyes closed. You know your stance is perfect. But it takes time to do that. And that's why you can't institute pucks. Like I've always said, like, you know, pucks in a drill. If you're doing straight up goalie training, the puck's just the carrot, <laughs> you know, just to get, you know, or, or a little, little at, at the end, you get a prize, you get a shot on net. But, you know, we know as goalie coaches, all that that's leading up to that shot, that's, that's important, right? That you're working on and then you get the shot. Okay, that's great at the end. But um, so with that, with that, with that mindset of development, you are just trying to get things perfect. And if you do it enough times, then you get your attention and you've got it. Like you're, you're done. Once, once you've got it, you're done. But the only way to do it is to take that time. You know, if you're doing that kind of, that kind of methodology. Now, your other way to do it is to do it in parts and then add those parts together over time. And then that will give you the result that you're looking for as well. So just a, a couple different ways to do things. Well, it's fascinating to hear that too. And you must, I mean, I'm, I know for sure you've experienced this where if you're working in that type of environment or probably working with pros, I can't count the amount of times where I've been out maybe doing some video with, uh, you know, an NHL goalie and a coach and somebody I know will have watched from the outside. And when they're done, they'll come up to me and say, that was just a video shoot, right? Like that wasn't actual a goalie session because they're like, it didn't look like he was like, there was, it yeah, went not, pucks not flying on. everywhere. Yeah. And you probably hear this from like, this is a good lesson for parents. I'll let you say it, but like, and parents are always like, like, ah, he's not soaked in, like he's not, he didn't look like he's working. There's not like six people moving and multi-part drills. Like that's not how pros work. That's not how they learn these fine little movements that make the difference between making it and not, no? And they gotta and, and they've gotta keep up with the mechanics. And if it's uh you know uh one component drill and it's simple, come off your post, take a shot, boom, go back, you know, in and out, in your post, out of your post, like just all those little stuff because you need to do that 
consistently and efficiently and effectively. Like, so what happens if you have a lot of activity, then you get sloppy. So the goalie coach has to make sure, make sure that he maintains that, you know, almost like the, the baseball player goes and hits, you know, off the tee. You think, well, that's crazy. There's this guy that makes, you know, $20 million a year and, and he's working off a tee. So he has the mechanics going the right way. So with a goalie coach, NHL goalie coach, I mean, there's enough activity in practice with pucks going a million miles an hour and bodies and so on and so forth. You know, a, a goalie coach has to slow it down and work on the fine tuning and, and just, you know, where you're focused in on one thing and that's it. You don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Yeah, I know the amount of times parents where it's like, oh, why isn't he like exhausted, sweating, dying? And hey, he's worked hard, but the exhausted, sweating, dying kid probably lost his form halfway through the session and now he's just working on bad habits. Yeah, and you know, like as we're talking about it, you know, we've talked about here the the mechanics and the structure of it. While at the same time, you say, well, it's got to be fun too. Absolutely. And, and that's what the games are for. And that's why, you know, we've had this discussion. Games played is huge for goalies. It is, it, you know, it's funny. I was hanging out there with Spencer Knight's father one day watching a game. And he was like, you know, he's played probably about 100 games a year since he was a, you know, phantom minor, right? Just you get so much out of playing the experience, the, 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 the being able to see the plays and the patterns develop over and over again like you think about carrie price carrie price is about 59 years old in goalie years right like he's played so much he has so much expe- uh, uh, so much exposure he's had to different situations and seen him over and over again no wonder it looks like effortless for him and he looks so calm out there because when a play is developing he just his body just knows what's going to happen right you just you just seen it enough times so there's such a value to that. So, and, and that's where you get to that moderation part, right? Where you can't, you can't just live in goalie schools. You, you, you know, like it, it, I, I've had so many times, like a parent say, you know what, what, should we just take a year and have them not play games and just train? No, absolutely not. I understand what the thought process might be, but absolutely not. Games played is vital for goalies and goaltending development. And, and, and it's because they're seeing the patterns and they'll be able to identify the patterns and then, and then reading the release of a shot. It is so essential. And that's where, you, you know, you get into your sensorina, you know, your, your extra reps and reading releases a shot. So, you know, that all plays into your development. Once again, it's not, you know, there's not only one way you, you just can't do the goalie training. You can't just do one. You've got to do a bunch of different things and have a bunch of different experiences and different types of training to be able to find that moderation and get to where you want to be at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's a great point. I, I'm curious where you see sense arena fitting in there. Um, because the one thing about the games played and the training, like we, we can see some wear and tear, uh, you know, I know you've got some philosophies on in terms of, you know, the butterfly and what it does to a body over the years. Um, where do you see sense fitting in this? Like in terms of, uh, we're obviously big fans of it. I know you've been on board you know, long before we were in terms of being a part of their their sort of directors and, and working with them to make sure this was a product that really did speak to and work for goaltenders. 
how do you see it? Like, how do you see it being used? How do your goalies use it? Um, whether it's at stop it or I don't know if you've got guys at the pro level, like where does it fit into our day to day and that development process? Well, at stop it, we actually have one at every one of our centers. We have at least one. I mean, we we have four in our big center, our headquarters in in Woburn. We have four of them, and so I'll I'll come at it a little bit different than than I think a lot of people are thinking about it. So you are one thousand percent right. Without the wear and tear in your body, it gets you reps. It gives you the ability, especially if you're doing the video. You know, you're seeing releases and so on and so forth. And we haven't even touched the surface of what Sensorine like. We don't even like, I'm knee deep in this. I've been in this with Bob, um, with helping develop drills and, and, and the timing of it. And I've, I've been in, but we're just, we're, we're in the five percentile here. We're just getting started. And I look at Sensorine a, a little bit different than just a training tool and the goal is, is, I think it is probably the most important psychological development in goaltending training ever. And yeah, I know you're looking, you give me the look, like, what is he about well, to just, say here? I want to, yeah, I want you to expand okay. on the, the, the psychology part. Here, here's the deal. If you talk to former goalies, myself included, the hardest part of goaltending is the anxiety, right? It's the pregame anxiety leading up to a game. What Sensorina now does is it puts you in control of that in the sense that Let's say, you know, think a kid, he plays midget hockey, right? And his coach tells him, okay, you're playing tomorrow. And the game's at five o'clock in the afternoon. Well, guess what? He's, he's got the anxiety started at that point, And he's carrying that anxiety all the way to the game. But what Sensorina allow you to do? Guess what? You can have a morning skate. And we all know that when you have a morning skate, when you have another skate before the game, the anxiety level is much lower because you know you're going to get your skates on, you're going to get your gear on, you're going to do your thing, you're going to get a sweat on, you know. So it takes the anxiety level down a whole bunch. So with Sensorina now, you have your own morning skate, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to give myself a 15, 20-minute wor workout, get my hands going, so on and so forth, right? And what if that anxiety starts building up during the, during the day? At any point, at any point during the day, when you start feeling that anxiety, you can throw your headset on. Before you get in the car to leave for the game, you can throw your headset on and take a few shots to the glove and the blocker and just feel, feel better and get some of that, that out. And now, so I think that's a humongous part of the, the mental part of development for goalies to be able to deal, have a way to deal with that pregame anxiety. And now think about this. Now, what happens at that five o'clock game and it doesn't go well? six spot up on the board. You didn't play very well. Maybe your next practice is on Tuesday. So now you've got to carry it from the end of the game on Saturday. You've got to carry that. In, and you know what I'm talking about because we're all goalies here. Like we know what that feels like. You feel like crap. You know, for the only for difference two, for me is it's 1030 at night and it's an eight spot. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. So now, now guess what you do? Sunday morning, you get up, you give yourself, you know, you put on Bill Ranford's training program and you give yourself a 45 minute workout and you get on with your day and you feel so much better because you got a little work in. You kind of, I call it a cleanse. You cleanse yourself of the game. So 
when I look at it from a psychological standpoint, I think that for me, that's the biggest part of Sensorina is that you can control some of that anxiety. You can give yourself a cleanse. You can put that, you can put that on anytime you feel like and feel the puck, which up to this point before Sensorina, you never had that. You never had that chance. You had to wait for practice. You had to hope you had a morning skate the morning of a game. Now you control everything yourself. And therefore, that is, for me, the, the, the greatest tool that Sensorina. And, and maybe parents don't understand that exactly, but I'll tell you what the goalies do. Once you, see, once you hit a certain level, a certain age of goaltending, like, like you get it. You understand about the anxiety that goes into playing the position. Well, I know all about the anxiety. I, I never thought of it as being used that way as that type of tool. You're right. We, we talked about it as a training, you know, tool, not so much as having to wait for, I love that. I love that. Awesome stuff. Well, it, well, how about this on a, on a training end too, if you think about when I, when I say like, we haven't even touched the surface. So there are so many ways, just the drills that they have now, and they, they keep on coming in the training plans, but you know, there's so many ways to manipulate the drills to do what you want to do. So picture, you know, you're doing warm up one and you get shots to the glove side. So instead of just shots to the glove side where you're doing a regular warm up, what if you move yourself in the crease so that you're already on the glove side and now all those short shots are coming at your head? So now you're catching those pucks, your whole shoulder is moving forward and your gloves moving forward. Now you're working on getting up over the puck, having your, your shoulder, the mechanics, the, uh, the biomechanics of your shoulder working with catching pucks in front of you, right? What about doing the same thing? We got a high glove shot, but instead of using your glove, you're just shifting with your chest. So you're practicing trend, uh, transmitting, okay, we're going to get that weight on that right foot and we're going to drive our body over to stop the puck. And instead of using my glove, I'm going to use my, chest because I'm practicing reading and reacting to shots and center shifting into shot. Like, like you, you see where I'm going with it? Like, like there are just so many things that are way beyond that. Anybody's even thinking about right now. Yeah. And we, and we've heard it from some pros too, using it in those regards, um, you know, understanding like letting shots go by them, but then looking at the replay and seeing how close they were, depending on where they are positioned and Hey, this is like, you know, like this is how much of the net I cover. And look at that. It's just right off my shoulder there. And I didn't even move like so many different ways. And like you said, so many things in the future. I can't wait till we add, you talk about play reading, like live video of game footage coming at you or making a read on a, as a puck handle on a four check. There's, there is so much yet to come. And I know Bob with his work with consultants like yourself and with Billy Ranford, they're already on top of it. So it's exciting stuff. Listen, Brian, I really wanted to get into lessons you've learned you know, having, having your son come up through the NCAA, Joey, and into pro. Um, unfortunately, I got to cut this off a little bit here from the day job. So I'm wondering if we can just, we use this as a window to get you back for a second opportunity or what do you think? I, I'd love to, that'd be exciting. Um, it's been, it's been a really exciting time and I'm really proud of him and I'm proud of both my guys, you know, like, and I'll end it up with that. Like I respect all goalies. Like to have the courage to step in there and you know, like it's all, it's all about the goalie in terms of the goalie is going to get judged, right? You you can't be the left wing and the third line and you don't get any points or what, like no one even knows how you play. Like everybody's going to know how the goalie played. And it takes a lot of courage 
So I'm proud of my boys. I'm, I, I'm proud of any goalie that, that puts it on the line, right? They, they, they show the courage um, to get out there and, and stand in net. And uh, I, I always say the same thing. Confidence is the ability to act. And therefore, a goalie that's willing to step into the net, that guy's willing to go out and try to make saves, that guy's confident. It takes a certain type of person to do it, too. You have to want that, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Absolutely. want that pressure. I love it. Hey, listen, there's so much more I want to get into with you. It's amazing. We're at, we're at 40 minute mark, and I feel like we could probably go another 40, um, but we'll, we'll cut it off there. This would actually I'll, be a short phone call for us. Yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> we normally talk for a lot longer than this, and that's just us shooting the breeze. Um, but the, the beauty of this is this just means we get a part two with you. So I'm going to leave awesome. it there. I'm going to tease our audience. We'll, we'll do a part two down the road here. But Brian, thank you so much uh, for spending the time. You've, you've been in the game and around it from every aspect for so long. Uh, the knowledge is really invaluable. And I know the young goalies and parents that listen to this are going to soak it up. So thanks so much. And, and thanks to you guys. In goal is awesome for the goalie uh, fraternity. And, and it's much appreciated by everybody uh, out here. I went back and listened to it again. I, li- I listened to that interview twice because there's just so much in there. Uh, a fascinating individual and the passion for goaltending. And I just love goalie dad, goalie son. Um, just your takeaways from from that conversation, Woody. Uh, well, there's so many, um, to be honest with you. I love the talk. Uh, you know, we talk about the the book, one of Hutch's favorite talent code. And, you know, I know some of the concepts they've worked on, like this idea that, and when you're trying it, it kind of ties into Matt Murray and Braden Holtby, right? Like when you bring a puck into an equation for some of the movements we're trying and some functional movement patterns you try and change, it, it sort of changes our brain patterns. Like that becomes the primary focus rather than the movement itself. And, you know, just like Holtby and Matt Murray, when you're chasing results and the game and trying to play the game, it can be hard to sort of groove a lot of these big changes in movements and movement patterns. And so sometimes you know, in Matt's case, you need the month off to sort of get back to the movement patterns without worrying about the puck. And it's interesting. So that was one that was fascinating to me. And I think, you know, a lesson for a lot of parents that watch, I I can't count how many times we've been doing video or something with a pro goalie and goalie coach on the ice and a parent we know happens to watch and come to and ask me afterwards, that was just a video shoot, right? That wasn't an actual practice. No, it's all about sort of, you know, slow, controlled, get it right movements, not just chasing the puck around like it's a mad scramble game and your kid's sweating and that means they had a, a good workout is not necessarily a good goalie training session. So that was one of the ones of many points he made that really jumped out to me. Fascinating, uh, educational, uh, enlightening, and uh, motivational uh, in, in a lot of ways, inspirational in a lot of ways. Makes you want to get out there and, and get back at it, uh, just like uh, Matt Murray and just like Braden Holpe. Uh, do a reset and come back and play strong. Uh, thanks to Cam over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey, as well as uh, uh, the great team over at CCM Goalie and that entire squad uh, right on through the people that uh, work at arm's length with CCM goalie and the passion that they have for the position and Brian DeCourt, uh, as well as Hutch. Hutch, I'm not going to make funny anymore. Okay. That was the last time I, I like Woody will still make funny, but I just want you to know, I am not making funny of you anymore. And of course, Kevin Woodley, just make sure, you know, the gear segments that he does each week are on video. 
please go to our YouTube channel and watch the gear segment there because I always get a little dig in on Woody that uh, I can't really do here via audio. So watch this week right to the end, and and I had a little fun there too. Uh, and one more note. Uh, when Woody says in the interview with Brian DeCord, my editor, can he put this this in? That's that's Hutch. That, the editor is Hutch. He's just trying to that's big time the most everybody. Insulting, that's yeah. the most insulting he ever gets when he just talks about his producer, his yeah. editor. Oh, well, yeah, if man. my editor can do this. I thought we were going to have more than the small I've, hands, boys. Listen, I thought we were going to have an intern by now for crying out loud. <laughs> Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to uh, next week's episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast. Be well. <laughs>